Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. You're both going to put a microphone on me. I'll put it here. It'll be all right here now. So we read from the book of Revelation, do you remember? At the beginning, yes? And there's one verse I want to draw your attention to. You may have heard this before. Chapter 3. Remember we read to the, about the church of Laodicea, is that correct? Okay, good. Let Liam get sorted. All right? Yeah. And it says here, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's a lovely verse, isn't it? You like that one? Okay, good. It's a familiar text, although I don't read it that often. But it's one of those ones like John 3.16 that quite a lot of people know. And it's the sort of verse that some Bible Sunday school teachers might teach children in the Sunday school. And um, I think it's great. It should be taught in all churches. And I don't think I've mentioned it to you often enough. But all believers should know this verse. The Lord stands at the door. There's a door over there. There's a door there. There's a door here. The Lord says that he stands at the door knocking. He stands at the door of our hearts. How are mates? What he says it here. I'm going to read it again. Behold, take notice. That word means take notice. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. What a wonderful verse. And it's quite incredible. It's very familiar language he's using. He's using doors. He's using knocking. I mean, these are things you do every day, isn't it? Yesterday, we went round to Nika and Joey's home and we knocked on the door. We rang the bell. And people do it to your house every day. You've got a front door, haven't you? People knock on your door, ring your bell. Yes, they'd use knockers. But here we have John, the apostle, in exile, on the Isle of Patmos, and the revelation of God was unfolding before his very eyes. And he was writing letters 
to the seven churches. Philadelphia, um, Sardis, Laodicea, Ephesus. He was writing letters. And when you read the letters, when you examine them, they're a bit, they're quite serious. He's rebuking the churches. He told the church of Ephesus that they lost their first love for Jesus Christ. He was they were laying down some serious um, rebuke, telling them off. He said that one of the churches, even the devil himself had resided in the church. These were serious letters. And the thing is, that as we look around all churches in Hemel Hempstead, whether it's this one, or whether it's St Mary's, or whether it's St Paul's, or whether it's Sunrise, or whether it's the Methodist Church, whatever church, they all, they all apply to one of these churches. Or, you could say, John, I'm not sure if I accept that. Well, if you don't accept it, that's cool. Because perhaps, perhaps all the churches represents this last church, the Laodicean church, which is the lukewarm church. That's a very sad thing. That's a very, very solemn thing. Because this particular church, this Laodicean church, they think they're rich. They think they've got no need of anything. They don't even think they probably need God. They're so rich. They say they can see. They say they've got what they want. But the Lord's rebuking them. The Lord is telling them off. And he's saying, you're not rich. You're blind. You're not rich. You're poor. You're naked. Your shame is everywhere. God is telling them off within his word. But he also says this. Those whom I love, I chasten. Doesn't he say that in this word? Have a look. Verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. He gives people an opportunity. He wants people to be zealous, to change, to make an effort to change. God does that. And God is using John to write this message, which is a serious message, to all the churches, saying, Behold! Behold! Take notice. That's what God says. So, let's have a little look little bit closer at the way that the Lord Jesus handles his people, handles his church. Let's have a little butchers. My first heading here is where Jesus stands. I said already, he stands at the door of the heart. Everybody's heart that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's where Jesus stands. 
It's quite a humble place. You go down to Buckingham Palace, there are soldiers, there's the Queen's Guard, standing to attention outside Her Majesty's front door. It's a humble thing to do. You go talk to those soldiers. You might meet one in a club, or down at the bowls club, or down in the park. You might say, hello sir, what do you do for a living? He might say, I'm a doorkeeper. Well, I don't know what you do for a living, but you might look down on him and say, what? A doorkeeper? Is that all you do? You're not a computer programmer. You're not a consultant doctor. You're just a doorkeeper. It's a humble place to, humble job to have, isn't it? To be a doorkeeper. I would love to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Welcoming people in and saying goodbye to people as they go home. What a wonderful thing. The Lord Jesus is describing himself as a doorkeeper. The keeper of our hearts. That's what he's interested in. Guarding our hearts. Watching our hearts. That's what he's doing. He looks at things. He looks at what's going on. It's a difficult thing, people. A very difficult thing to go knocking on doors. You ever had to do that? I was listening to the radio only yesterday. Now, radio 4, I like to listen to Radio 4 occasionally. And uh, this particular man, he was uh, in the RAF. And he was, one, he was a soldier that got shot down in Iraq in 1991. You may have seen it on the TV back in those days. Saddam Hussein paraded him on international TV. And they tried to indoctrinate him to say that the Iraqi regime was a good regime. I don't know if you remember it. But I found it very interesting. True story. He's written a book, this chap. Anyway, he said, there are people that work for the RAF. There are people that work for the army. And when somebody has passed away, when somebody has had a tragic accident, it's their job to go around that person's family home and knock on their door. And their person's mother or the person's father has to open up that door and as soon as they see somebody in uniform from the wrath or the army, their heart trembles. It's not an easy thing to go knocking on people's doors to give certain news, whether it's good news or bad news. Could be good news. You could have won the national lottery. <laughs> as a little boy one day I was about 8 years of age and all the kids came round to the house I was living in knocked on the door oh, they were all making a commotion I was about 8 years of age I could hear all this revelry all this laughter and joy and someone opened the door they said what do you want 
They said, Johnny Gilbert's won ten pounds. <laughs> we was all happy. We was all rejoicing. It was a good day to have a knock on the door. You understand? But it's hard. Back in the day, a lot of people used to be salesmen. And they had to knock on doors. They had to sell doorbells. They got fed up of knocking. They wanted to just press a doorbell. <laughs> they had to sell peepholes, which you look through, and you can look through your front door and see who's outside. It was very big technology back in the day. But you had to knock on the door to sell it to the person on the other side of the door. Some people do evangelism by door knocking. Have you ever had someone knock on your door and evangelize? I was a member of a church once, and it was a Saturday, and they said, John, we're all going door knocking today. I said, oh, yeah. They said, yeah, you're coming with us. I said, am I? Yeah, you're going to go round Adyfield, and you're going to knock on doors with Matthew. I said, all right, then. I said, what do you want me to say? <laughs> they said, you've got to say this, you've got to say that, you've got to say the other. I said, okay then. So me and Matthew, we went round Adyfield and we knocked on doors. And people opened them and they said, hello. I said, hello, I'm John, that's Matthew. Matthew had a woolly hat on. You could have almost thought it was like a balaclava. You, um, you know what I mean? Well, some people looked at us and, as if we were a couple of weirdos. You know what I'm saying? What I didn't know, as we were trying to tell these people about our church and about Jesus, we'd said, hello, goodbye. We moved on to the next house and the next house and the next house. Well, one woman didn't like the look of us. So she phoned the police while we were evangelising. And we kept walking round the neighbourhood, Windmill Road, and I was knocking on the door of this house. And as I was knocking, I'm talking to a little old lady, the police were coming at the park. They said, who are you? I said, what, me? They said, yeah, we want to talk to you. I said, what about? I said, I'm evangelising. Are you? I said, yeah, I'm telling people about Jesus. Is that right, he said. I said, yeah. He said, we'll leave you alone then. And he went off. I thought he was going to arrest me. I've never done it since. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy knocking on doors. Not easy. In fact, I did do it, actually. I did it with Mayette. We went over to Aylesbury, didn't we? And we did some evangelism. But it's a humbling experience. Knocking on doors. But Jesus, Jesus is humble. Jesus knows what it is to come from humble beginnings, isn't he? You're born in a stable. Didn't have a door. The shepherds didn't have to knock on the door to come in the stable. There weren't no door. <clears throat> he loved. He, he loved. He, he loves us. He, he lived among us. 
He lived among a sinful generation in his day. He was crucified. He understands the difficulties. He understands what we experience. You know these things. You know, because of him, we have the gospel story. That he lived among us. That he died. That he was buried and rose from the dead. We have our saviour. And that's our story. And that's what people need to hear. But it's strange, isn't it? That the Lord, the Lord himself, knocks on doors. And he knocks on your door. And the door of your heart. That's what he does. I don't know if you're familiar with that famous artist called Holman Hunt. Ever heard of Holman Hunt? No one heard of Holman Hunt? Holman Hunt painted a picture. It's a very big picture. It's like a life-size picture. And he painted a picture of how he saw Jesus. It's called the light of the world. And it's a picture of Jesus with a crown on his head. It's the crown of thorns, but they're mixed with gold and gems. And he looks very pleasant. He's not how you imagine him to be. Because we don't really know what he looks like, do we? But he's knocking on a door. Got a lantern in his hand. You may have, as I'm speaking, you may be, it may be coming to your mind. And he's knocking on this door, and the door represents a soul. And if you look at the picture, it's got ivy, it's got weeds, it's got brambles growing over the door. And it pictures the sin that tries to grow over the door of our hearts. But he's knocking. And do you know what? If you see the picture, don't forget... Holman Hunt, do a Google when you go home. Holman Hunt, the light of the world. If you look at the door, which represents a soul, you'll see there's no door handle. So from his side, he cannot open the door inwards because the door handle is on the inside. You have to open the door from the inside. Open it outwards to let him in. Do you get what I'm saying? Do a Google. Holman Hunt, light of the world. Yes? When you, um, I'll tell you now. When Holman Hunt painted this picture, there it is. Nika's got it. Nika's got it. That's the picture. That picture that Nika is holding up, guess what happened to that painting? When it was first painted, it caused a sensation. The painting went round the world either three times or seven times. I just can't remember the figures. It went round the world three, maybe seven times over three years or three times over seven years. I can't remember. But guess what? When people saw the picture, they exhibited it in all the big cities around the world. People came in their droves. And it was like the subject of evangelism. People got saved. Looking at that picture, 
it brought, Jesus, it brought people to Jesus Christ because they realised what the word was saying, that he stands at the door of our hearts and that these people, when hearing him knocking, that's what they assumed, they were happy to open their hearts to him. Are you happy to open your heart to Jesus Christ? Thank you, Liam. What about everyone else? You want to ask everyone else? Go on. Is everyone happy to? Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, Jesus, if he's going to knock, how's he going to knock? He's going to use his hand, isn't he? Yeah. Of course he is. <laughs> What I'm saying, Jesus is God, right? We know that. So God, the hand of God, is moving circumstances that are going on around the world. It would be good for us to pray and ask the Lord to see what he's doing. Where is the hand of God? What is God doing today in these days these troubled times on earth. Eh? The hand of God moves circumstances. Every year at Christmas time, what do we focus on? The nativity story, don't we? And when we go to the nativity story, whether Matthew or Luke, we read about the angels going to the shepherds. We read about the angel Gabriel going to Mary. We read about the wise men. We read about the taxing and the censors, don't we? Who's, con who's conducting all these things? Thank you, Jeffro. The hand of God is orchestrating what's going on. Well, if the hand of God orchestrated that, can't God orchestrate what's going on in our current affairs? Amen. Thank you, Mayer. The hand of God is setting the scene in the stage of the prophetic fulfillment of the plans as, as to what's going on on earth right now. But we're not sure because we cannot see it. Why? Because we're part of a Laodicean church movement, which is very worldly. And as we read from the words of the Laodicean church, they were blind. They were poor. They thought they were rich. And Jesus says in those words, come to me and buy eyesalve so that you might see. And that's what we need. That's what every church needs in this day and in this age. The nations around us, the churches, we are moving towards the end time plan of what's going on. The Antichrist is going to appear. The, the, the mark of the beast is going to appear. All these things in troubled times. But there is one that is faithful. It's the Lord. <laughs> the Lord is knocking on our hearts. And the Lord wants us 
to invite him in. He says, if any man hears my voice. He wants us to listen. He wants us to perceive what's going on. He wants to hear, he wants us to hear the door knocking on our hearts. I was looking at something, Bob. Ephesians chapter, let me just see. Here we go. If you haven't got a heart with Jesus in it, you may have a heart without Jesus in it, right? Does that make sense? Ephesians chapter 4, I spotted this earlier on. Ephesians 4, here is a heart without Jesus. Ephesians 4, I read it earlier on, verse 18. Chapter 4, verse 18. This is very solemn. This is very sad. Ready? Does it, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Does anybody want a heart like that? You don't, do you? Listen to the knocking of the Lord upon your heart. Listen to the voice of the Lord. If any man hears my voice, well, that's a good one, isn't it? If any man or lady hears my voice, well, can I ask you something? I'll ask you a question. How does he speak? That's a good question, isn't it? How does the Lord speak? Well, we know he's spoken to us through the word of God, isn't he? He speaks loud and clear, doesn't he? He speaks through his servants, ministers, preachers, evangelists, Bible teachers. God speaks. John the Baptist said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight paths for the Lord. He speaks through the lives of of brothers and sisters that are walking in the spirit with him. Of course he is. He calls and he calls in love. He says, those whom I love, I chasten. Be zealous then and repent. Very important. What will Jesus do if you open the door? That's a good one. Well, if you open the door, I've, I've changed pages from Ephesians 4, 18. But if you had a heart of ignorance, a heart of blindness, a heart of no understanding, if that's your heart and you open the door, guess what? You will gain a heart of understanding. You will lose your ignorance. 
You will lose your blindness because you're allowing Jesus to come in. Is that not worth it? I love it. He says, I will come into him. It's a promise. I will come in. I will come into him or her. That is a sure promise. As anyone has ever promised you something, he is faithful and true and he will do it. He will come in. The Lord does his part. And I'm going to wind up, Bob, once more. The Lord's doing his part, but I've got news for you. You've got a responsibility. You have to be proactive. You have a responsibility to open that door. Because it doesn't say that he's going to open it. There's no handle on the outside. <laughs> you have an obligation to, to open that door. Will you do it? Have you done it? And if you do, every blessing will come down from above and will come into that door, will come into your heart. Even the Holy Ghost himself can come down from heaven straight into your heart. Isn't that a good thing? Come on. Every Wednesday or every Saturday, don't you see people queuing up at Sainsbury's, at Tesco's, buying their lottery tickets, hoping to win £20 million? Yeah? I tell you, brothers, I tell you, sisters, if Jesus Christ has come into your heart, you will be the richest person on earth. If Jesus has come into your heart, you will be the richest. You know Jeff Bezos, how many billions he got? It's nothing. What's that other chap's name? Virgin? Branson. It's nothing. It's chicken feed. Because to have Jesus, to have the Spirit of God reside in your heart, to be able to love somebody with the love of God, to be able to serve somebody with the love of God, to help a granny across the road, to give someone a fiver or something. Do you understand me? To have the richness of Jesus in your heart means that you're not selfish, means that you're not greedy, means that you're not full of lust and debauchery and adultery and sin and darkness. You understand me? You can't get people to do what Jesus can really do in someone's... You just, it just doesn't happen. How wonderful. I will come into you. You know, I tell you something. Isn't it wonderful to be invited to someone's home? They phone you up or they send you an email. They send you a text 
on your phone or on the WhatsApp, dear John and Mayette, please come round our home. We want to entertain you. We want to give you fish and chips with tartar sauce. We want to give you some jelly and ice cream. Well, me and Mayette, if you say you do that to us, we'll be there. <laughs> we will be there. And we promise you we'll enjoy fellowship with you. We promise you we will laugh with you. We will cry with you if we have to. We will love it. Just do it. Yeah? What the Lord is telling us, that if you will open that door, that's what he wants to do with you. He says it here. In the book of... He says, look, I'll read it again. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock... If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Sup with him. It's like you inviting him round for dinner, for supper. And if you do that, you're going to enjoy your time with him, aren't you? I'm telling you, you'll love it. He will love it by his spirit. How about this? You will become partakers of the Godhead. Look at this. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, go to 2 Peter. Peter says this. One, 2 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 4. He says, whereby... Are we given, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. How incredible is that? But by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What a wonderful thing to be partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that the most exciting thing you've ever heard? It must be. Yeah, I think so. I'll read another verse to you. It's in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul the Apostle, in the 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says in verse 19, What? A question? Know ye not that your body is a temple? of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. He's telling this church in Corinth that they are a temple of the Holy Spirit, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, 
You're not your own. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. You're his temple. You become his temple. Wonderful. Verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. That's the cost of Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How wonderful! Come on! Didn't it get you excited? Blow me over! I love it. One other verse I want to draw your attention to. Colossians one twenty-seven. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How incredible! Christ in you, the hope of glory. Some people have said there is not a religion on earth. There is not a religion on earth, apart from Christianity, where God dwells in the hearts of his believers. Do you know that? I wish everybody knew it. I wish this building was full up with people that could experience Jesus Christ in their hearts. You know what? We had a football tournament in London, yes, at Wembley, and just because someone missed a penalty, the knives were out. The, the whole week has been full of abuse, full of racialism, full of hatred, full of discord. It turned a wonderful tournament into a very sad occasion, didn't it? If those hooligans, and I will say hooligans, if they had the spirit of Jesus in their heart, they, wouldn't have been, they would have gone up to sucker, put their arm around him and said, don't worry, old chap. Better show next time. Hey? That would have been a different story, wouldn't it? To have Jesus in our hearts, the best thing. May I close? And by way of closing, may I ask a few questions? Do you hear him knocking? Do you hear him knocking? <laughs> he knocking now, any bomb? I think I heard a knock at the back there. <laughs> Can you hear his voice? Can you hear the voice of the Lord through the Word of the Lord through His people? And lastly, will you open the door? Or will you keep it closed? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so captivated by the word of God. We're so mesmerized by your words and what you do and what you say. You hit the nail on the head, Lord. You show us where we fall down. You show us where we have gone astray. You tell us if we're blind or whether we see. 
You put us in our place. Lord Jesus, we want to say this morning that we're so thankful that you love us. We're so thankful that you, you still work on us. That if you have to chastise us, we surrender to you. And we open that door. And we pray, Lord, don't stand outside. Come into our hearts and fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. And do what you have to do in our hearts that we might be the temple of the living God. Amen. We're going to sing another song. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.